You know, I suppose if you wanted a great, great relationship, let's say a marriage, you could pray that you find the exact perfect person that they're always loving and kind and you'll do the same. Always loving, always kind. Well, it sounds nice, except no one is perfect. You're not always going to be loving and kind. You're not always going to live up to that ideal. So what do you do instead, maybe, if you want a long-term relationship to actually work? Well, you got to learn relationship toughness, you could say, or resilience. And how do you actually do that? What are some of the ways that you can make your relationship more resilient? Well, it begins, believe it or not, with being heard and learning how to cope together. See, building resilience actually helps you to be less anxious about the relationship. It creates well-being within the relationship. It creates health and longevity. You know, there are always going to be challenges in life, in marriage. But challenges are actually an opportunity for you to grow. Now, I, as a therapist, say the fight is never good. If you're fighting, let it go. Walk away. You're not going to say anything wonderful. You're not going to be fighting and yelling and go, oh, wow, yeah, that was actually a really good point. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. But disagreements, on the other hand, should be expected. Because you're two different people. You're going to bring different ideas about life, about what you should do. And actually engaging in these differences in a healthy way can help to build resiliency. Particularly if you each feel heard. See, resilience is about not what you can do alone necessarily. It's about what you can do as a couple. It's how you can meet the challenges as a team. And that togetherness actually helps you to create or regulate emotions and gives you that sense of support. How do you actually build that kind of resilience? And you want to. Because that relationship might be the most important thing that happens in your life next to the relationship that you have with God. It's that marriage. That's what's going to allow you to live longer, to be more successful, to be more joyful in life. You're always going to face challenges. Life happens You're going to encounter stresses along the way. You might lose your job. Somebody might get sick. Children don't sleep through the night. Children leave home, which maybe feels like a great thing or not such a great thing because now you're looking at each other saying, now what do we do? These days, of course, probably money feels like, ah, I don't have enough. Everything costs so much money. So what do you do when these ups and downs that you face in life seem inevitable? You work on that resilient relationship. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. But if you can learn to withstand what life is going to throw at you, then that's what it's all about. And it does begin by you looking at your own life. So often when you're struggling in a relationship, you look at him or her and say, boy, if they would just do this, that would make a big difference. Maybe, but you can't control them. But you can control how you think, how you act. Paul speaks about it this way in Romans chapter 2, and I'm just going to paraphrase. He said, you know, if you think you're on high ground where you can point your finger at others, 
think again. Because every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. That judgmental criticism of others, oh yeah, you think you're escaping detection in your own crimes? Not so. God isn't so easily diverted. He sees through all of that and holds you up to what you have done. And that's a great way to begin to build resiliency in your relationship is to look at your life and rather than saying, you know, you did this, what did you do? Resilience is really the goal. There is no perfection in relationships. Resilience allows you to bounce back from all the difficulties that life will throw your way. It's that response that allows you to feel hopeful and positive despite whatever initial negative experience you might be feeling. You can try to create that perfect environment, the positive environment where everything goes well. But a lot of times, no matter what you do, it's not going to be enough to change your environment, but you can change how you respond to it. Again, I want to go back to Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Paul said, I am content whatever the circumstances. He said, I'm, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. He said, I, I deeply appreciate your prayers. He said, but I don't have a sense of needing anything. I've learned to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy whether full or hungry, hands full, hands empty, whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. See, your faith is what allows you to be resilient. You and I, we spend so much time trying to make life cozy and comfortable and great, and it's not a bad goal if you can do that. If there are steps that you can take to make your life better, then by all means, take them. But you've got to remember that no matter your circumstances, you can still be joyful, just as Paul was. Paul had unbelievably difficult circumstances. See, that relationship grit is what allows you to be more resilient. Grit and resilience, some define it a little bit differently. Right? Resilience is what happens after you experience some failure or struggle. It's, it allows you to get back up. And grit is like, oh, I'm going to just keep going, I'm going to just keep going. Both of which are good. But that re- sense of resilience is actually associated with less anxiety and depression, greater life satisfaction and psychological well-being, according to research. You want to think about how you can be more resilient. I love watching football, professional football especially. And I'm always amazed. I thought, man, if I got, if I got hit like that once, I'd be down for the day. I was like, oh, I'm done, man. He just tackled me. <laughs> Maybe there was a time where I was a little bit more resilient even. I don't know. And I pride myself on being pretty tough. But you look at that, and if you want to play the game of life, you have to be able to get back up on your feet despite the hits. Another study of resilience showed that people who were more resilient reported better stress management and greater spiritual growth. (laughs) That's right. 
Being resilient is actually a part of what being faithful is. Every relationship is going to experience hardship. But you can engage in relationship maintenance behaviors to help create relationship, to help create resilience. So what is that? Well, first you have to understand that resilience isn't innate. It's not just something that you're born with. It's actually something that you can grow and build. But how do you do it? Well, you have to begin by taming your own tongue, your own emotions. You have to understand your emotions, the triggers. You know, all of a sudden you explode and you say, she just made me so angry. What did she do? Oh, uh, she forgot my favorite ice cream. (laughs) Well, maybe that's not about her or ice cream. Maybe this is about you. Now, this is no easy task to go back and say, why am I acting this way? Why am I so triggered by this? Well, there are usually reasons, but sometimes you have to dig into your own emotional past because sometimes your emotions get short-circuited, which means they're just acting on automatic pilot. So you got to slow down. And sometimes the way to get those emotions under control is actually just to begin by taking a pause and breathing rather than reacting. Now, you might say, this is way too much for me. I get it. Paul says in Romans 8, he said, you know, stop this being obsessed with measuring your own moral muscle. And again, I'm just paraphrasing. He said, but when you find God's action in you, God's spirit in you, that living and breathing God, that is something completely different. See, obsession with self in these matters is a dead end, but attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, into a free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. And sometimes when you feel yourself highly reactive, Take your focus off of your emotions, off of your life, and put it on God instead. Sometimes you have to just say, you know what, this is tough right now. My spouse just isn't giving me everything I need. Well, surprise, surprise, (laughs) They're, they're not made to. Sometimes you have to find other outlets and interests and hobbies of being yourself. I love this word. Researchers call this (laughs) self-complexity. We are complex creatures. And sometimes you can rely too much on that one person to say, well, you made me very angry. Okay, what can you do to make yourself happy or joyful? Now, the resiliency that you build up in a relationship begins by looking at you and your spouse against the world. Now, I don't want you to actually see everybody as your enemy, but when you're feeling down, when you're feeling angry, then the response should be, what can you and I, what can we as a couple do to make our life better? Team up against anger. Team up against depression or anxiety. Team up to find joy and love. Whatever that external threat Acts chapter 4, 
when they were looking at the lives of the early apostles and Jesus, right, they were sent out. And the whole congregation of believers were united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't claim ownership even over their possessions. They didn't say, hey, that's mine. They can't have it. They saw themselves, they saw themselves within the context of community as being the most important. And that's what you've got to do within your marriages as well, rather than saying, this is what I need, this is what I want. No, this is what we can do together. Difficult things are going to come up. And again, I say, don't engage in the fight. If you find your blood pressure so elevated and you're shutting down, stop talking. Nothing good's going to come out of it. But sometimes you've got to learn how to work through the difficult things. You don't want to just suppress what is wrong. When there are differences of, a, of opinion, that is an opportunity. It's a chance to be curious about the other person. I use that word a lot. Joe, how do I, how do I engage in this conversation? Be curious. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> Desire to get to know that other person more than what you want to say about your own life. That actually helps to create an atmosphere where meaningful dialogue can happen. It's an opportunity to grow. A lot of times when couples or families come to me and say, we just don't communicate. I usually have a pretty good idea what that means. So, you don't feel heard. Joe, wow, we, we didn't even tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, just been doing this for a while. I kind of figured it out. Because when you're fighting, when you're arguing, you're not placing an emphasis on hearing, on understanding. And if you really want to pr promote healthy communication, then place an emphasis on listening and understanding. Appreciate the differences. Appreciate the perspective that your spouse brings. Not just what they're saying, but why they're saying that. Understand that person from their perspective. That's what Jesus did. God himself enters into the mess of struggling humanities, and he didn't avoid it. He waded right in to help out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, he says. See, God wants that combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize you. That's what God wants. Because then you'll be a choir. Not just your voice heard, but that choir, that beautiful sound that can only come with many voices singing together. And to come together in conversation, you first have to understand that other person. You have to be there for that other person. So often you want credit for what you've done. Well, I did this and I did this. But make your spouse feel seen by acknowledging what they do. It's so easy to be critical. Well, you did this wrong. It's so much healthier and beneficial to say, I see what you are doing for this family. I see what you're doing for us. Take the time to wade into each other's difficulties, to take responsibility, 
That's what actually allows you to move forward. Show appreciation. And when your spouse feels stressed, express that empathy. Make it clear that you are on their side. You might not have all the answers for them. Maybe they're not looking for the answers for what they should do. But when they feel that you hear them, you see them, you understand them, then they don't feel alone. 1 John, he says, you know, when you practice real love, he said, not just talking about love, but practicing real love, this is the only way that you'll know that you're living truly, living in God's reality. And when you love the other by showing appreciation, by lending them your ear, your strengths, your support, your encouragement, that also shuts down that debilitating self-criticism. Even when there's something to it. Because God is greater than your worried hearts and knows more about you than you know about yourself. Paul says in Romans 8, and it's one of my favorite scriptures, he said, this resurrection life that you've received from God isn't a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. What's next, God? It's tough. You know who God is, and you know who you are, father and children. And you know what you're going to get, what's coming to you. An unbelievable inheritance. When you go through what Christ goes through, the difficulties, the hard times, then you're certainly going to go through the good times with him. Be resilient. I will meet you back on the road. And remember, always forward.